You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yeah. Sports Yeah. It's Sports Yeah. And away we Go with episode 227 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, Corey, it was such a debate who to give today's episode 2272. Do I give it to Marla Gibbs for the show 227? But then I found a guy that you would want to dedicate this episode to. I don't know if you can see or not, but I'm on the edge of my seat. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Jay Cutler episode. <laughs> oh, smoking Jay in the house. The pride of Santa Claus, Indiana. The former husband of Kristen Cavallari, former quarterback for the Broncos and the Bears, and I think he had a little time with the Dolphins as well. He threw 227 touchdown passes in his NFL career. He's Corey's good friend, and you're going to have to tell the story, Jay Cutler. Never on my time in this planet, have I seen another athlete that embraces and encompasses the I just don't care look on their face than Jay Cutler. Backstage at the Matt Carney concert at the House of Blues in Chicago. How many years ago? Um, It, was, it would be the season where he broke his thumb. There, there felt like there might be a chance for a, right. a run, but okay. then the thumb got hurt and whatever that season was. So we are in the car leaving the show, and I am with some people that are close to the Matt Carney camp. They call us and say, hey, come on back. Matt wants to see you after the show. House of Blues backstage, Chuck, is exactly like you think it would be. Very colorful and the paint and the mm. architecture and rock and roll. And they've got these living rooms with big, fancy chairs and loud music in the bar is hopping. And we're escorted into this room, and Matt Carney's over on the wall, and we kind of make eye contact. But also in this room is basically the entire offensive line of the Chicago Bears. Oh, okay. They came over after practice. And so I immediately am looking through the surveying the players, and there he is. 
in all of his greatness, in all of his casual dress shirt, drink in hand, think it was an old-fashioned smoking jay. Cuddy Sark. So Matt comes out, we share some moments, and then I say, hey, are you friends with these guys? And he says, everywhere I go, if there's athletes, professional athletes in town, apparently I my music connects with them, and they show up. Interesting. He, he goes, literally, everywhere I go, if there's a major team. So, yeah, the Bears are in there. I don't know these. I don't know them. <laughs> and I said, do you think you could give me a little meet and greet with Jay Cutler? He goes, oh, I'd love to. Walks in there. He goes, hey, Jay, come out here. Jay jumps up, had a couple, and we start talking. We get our picture taken, whatnot, and we're having this moment. And as you know, as this show is evidence, I knew nothing about sports. People know a lot of other things about sports. So I says to Jay, what is it going to take to beat the Packers to get into playoff contention? I felt good about that. Mm -hmm. And Jay says to me, maybe his hand on my shoulder, maybe not. I don't remember. But he says, Corey, here's the Green Bay Packers. And he puts his hand up about a foot above his head. Yeah. And then he lowers his hand down and he goes, here's everybody else. And I said, spoken like a true team leader. Wow. You fired a shot at Jay. I, I was flabbergasted. You're not going to win a game if you've got that kind of attitude. You're standing on the precipice of greatness. And then he, I think he broke his thumb that Sunday. Probably broke it punching your face. And I did follow up real quickly with the, I don't know that I've ever smelt a man as great as I smell you right now. And he said, yeah, thanks. And he told me what he was wearing. And Which was? I, I don't remember. I wanted to buy it, but I think it was expensive. Was it something that 60% of the time works all the time? <laughs> was, and I do remember getting my arm around him for the photo. And he, he was, we were well into the season, so he was very fit. He's a big man. Yeah, he, yeah good six foot something. We should probably go to the, the stats. How tall is Jay Cutler? Jay Cutler is six feet, three inches tall. Yeah, yeah, that was about right. Yeah, he's a good-sized fellow. I'll dig out the photo for the Sports Yak Twitter. Well, there you go. So you can see the so glazed over eyes. Dedicated to Mr. 227 himself. You know, the Green Bay Packers are here, Chuck. Everybody else is down here. Somewhere Marla Gibbs is listening to this show saying, hey, how about a story about me? What about my theme song? Exactly. Do you even remember it? The theme song to 227? No. Now, she got that show as kind of uh, after she had uh, starred on the Jeffersons as the maid. Oh, that was her? Yes. Okay. That was also Marla Gibbs. Oh, I totally remember her. Marla Gibbs! And Hal Williams. Yes. And and I believe Elena Reed. I believe you had Jack Hay. There it is. Yes. Jack Hay. And featuring Regina King, Oscar yes. Award winner. Yes. Oh, wow. I learned something today. Now, and we that, haven't even talked about sports yet. Is that the same uh, stoop from Sesame Street? Probably. Kind of looks like it. 
Family Broadcasting Corporation in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. If you're just joining us, you've missed a a wide tangent. I think we missed our turn about five minutes ago, and we've gotten back onto the highway. Let's talk about Big Ten football or lack thereof. Well, it has been an eventful 48 hours since we last joined you on the Yak, and one of my prophecies came true. The Big Ten did indeed bang the college football season yesterday. They seemed set to do it on Monday. They had a 12-2 vote, according to many sources, with Nebraska and Iowa being the outliers. And then a number of Big Big Ten coaches, excuse me, uh, led somewhat by Jim Harbaugh, kind of gave some blowback, and some players were given blowback in terms of, hey, we want to play. And uh, Harbaugh talked about the protocols that they were using at Michigan and how everything seemed safe and nothing had changed since June 13th when you kind of gave us this edict, this is what you got to do, and we've done it, and we haven't had any positive tests lately. You know, I don't know what more you want, but there was a... Uh, a story that came out about myocarditis, which is a heart problem that is somewhat exacerbated by COVID. Now, there are other people that will tell you that any virus exacerbates a heart problem. And there is a player at Indiana University by the name of Brody Feeney who tested positive for COVID and has had heart issues since then. And One wonders if he'll ever be able to play again. Uh, So with this kind of medical background being presented by the Big Ten medical staff, the Big Ten presidents yesterday decided to cancel fall sports with the hope of bringing it back in the spring. The fly in the ointment for me on this, Corey, is the presidents are allowing teams to work out and do football or sport-related activities, and and we'll focus on football here, but sport-related activities for 20 hours a week, which begs the question, you mean the virus can figure out whether it's a practice or a game? I mean, if it's not safe to play, if it's not safe for people to be on the field, then why would it be safe for them to practice? I don't understand, and nobody has been able to explain that to me yet. So that's the Big Ten story, and and when the Big Ten says, well, maybe we can play in the spring. So you're going to play, and, and we've discussed this on the act before, but just to reemphasize, you're going to play 8, 10, 11, 12 games in the spring, take about two months of an offseason, and then play another 12, 13, 14 games in the fall. You're going to play 26 games in a span of 35 weeks, and that's healthy for the players? 
there's just so many flaws to this that it's it's unbelievable to me. Whether you agree or disagree with the Big Ten decision to cancel the season, the the hypocrisy shown by allowing teams to continue to practice and the thought that, well, it's better to play a back-to-back spring and fall season is just befuddling. If you're going to cancel the season, cancel the season, in my eyes. So the Pac-12 follows the Big 12 by a couple of hours, and it's almost like it's a poker game. The Pac-12 will see the Big 12, Big 10 canceling the season. I'm sorry. I'm just adding to the confusion here because we have a Big 10 and a Big 12. More about this later. So the Big 10 cancels its season. The Pac-12 follows by saying, we see you canceling your season and we'll raise you by canceling all sports until January 1. So that means a basketball season. And USC was supposed to play in this basketball tournament in November with Notre Dame out in Brooklyn. Uh, The first two months of basketball season will be postponed at least in the Pac-12. Now, what other conferences do? That's still up in the air. Because the Big 12 presidents last night, they met and they said, we're pushing on with football season. We will play football. We feel comfortable with the protocols that we have in place. We'll add some heart testing as well if a player tests positive for COVID. And we feel comfortable that we can have a football season. The ACC, and by the way, you know, Duke has a medical school. And Duke has some people who are uh, epidemiologists and, and experts in virus. And they say it's safe to play. And so the ACC, the presidents are meeting today, but it's widely expected that they will join the Big 12 in playing. And the SEC wants to press on as well in play. This this has set forth such a cavalcade of thoughts here. Um, Number one, it really shows the need for a national governing body for college football. Either you're all going to play or you're not going to play. Why is there no collaboration between conferences? Why why does the Big Ten and Pac-12 have medical information that isn't the same as the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC? What are the different protocols that are in place? Why are, why are some schools comfortable with the protocols and others not? Then, okay, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 do play. Can players transfer from Big 10 and Pac-12 schools to go play at these other places? How much of a recruiting advantage will the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 have in the future against Big 10 and Pac-12 schools? What about Nebraska? Nebraska has come out and said, we want to play football. Now, Nebraska is a member of the Big 10, or at least they are today. But they say, we've got 13 schools lined up who want to play us, who say they'll play us. Can we go play? 
because the COVID outbreak in Nebraska has not been the same as the COVID outbreak in Illinois or Ohio or Michigan. Chuck, what would it take for Nebraska to leave the Big Ten? Is it like leaving a church denomination? Are you going to pay a huge fee? You have to pay a huge fee. And we talked about this when UConn canceled its season. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons they canceled is they can't afford further deficit. They already owe the American Athletic Conference $17 million. So they just said, we're banging our season. UMass yesterday, an independent, banged its season. There's also the thought that goes through my head that says, and and this isn't going to win me any fans in Big Ten country. But I'm sorry, it's a fact. If you looked at the Big Ten this year and you thought about title contenders, really the only one that comes fully to mind is Ohio State. Maybe Penn State, maybe Michigan. But really, Ohio State is the big dog of the Big Ten. The Pac-12 didn't have a single team that you consider as a title contender. So most of the title contenders are still in the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. So if those three conferences play, you know, people say, well, how can you have a national championship if it doesn't reflect the whole nation? Well, when was the last time it did? If you only have four playoff teams... And the Pac-12 hasn't come close to winning a national championship since those USC teams of the early 2000s. What's the big deal here? All the, And again, you may disagree with those thoughts, and, and I get it. And there's, there's room for discussion. There's room for argument. That's the nature of sports. But it befuddles me how, how science and, and supposed facts have suddenly become good for one league but not for another. Almost like territorial information. I, I hate to say it because I, I don't like political things, but it seems as though it's almost, you look at, the political components of the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 versus the political stance of many of the states in the Big 10 and the Pac-12, it does look that way somewhat. When I moved to South Bend, Indiana in 1991, I always thought of it as the, the much bigger city. I'm from a small town. And September, October, November, December in this city is unlike any other part of the year and the lifeblood is college football all of a sudden the the stores are lined with blue and gold shirts and jerseys and hoodies and hats and footballs and there's food specials and the restaurants have their decorations up hotels are booked uh years in advance and when they win people are in amazing spirits is notre dame playing fall football Their training camp opens today. They are opening training camp today. They are a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference this year. So whatever the ACC decides, Notre Dame will be going with. What 
what the ACC decides today could be, well, it's basically one of three things. We're forging on with a September 12th start date, one month from today. We're pushing back the start date a couple weeks just to see what happens as students return to campus, if there's surges that we need to be concerned about, how we deal with those protocols. And the third thing would be we're banging the season. I honestly don't expect the last option to be one that the ACC decides. Now, they may wind up getting some of this information from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and saying, oh, well, this isn't worth the risk. But again, this a lot of people making the decision here. We say that, that college presidents are making the decision or commissioners are making the decision. A lot of the people making the decision here are the lawyers, the corporate counsel, who say you cannot afford the liability yeah. that comes with this. Yeah, it's a blame game. So that's why I say follow the money. Because the money is going into the lawyers' pockets as much as anybody else's right now. So college football, will there be a season? Remains to be seen, but I... And I know people have challenged, friends of mine have challenged me on this. How can you say that there will be a seat? I mean, and yesterday, oh, I was getting it. The dominoes are falling. You know, the, the people, everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to say, I told you so. Yeah. I want to be right, too. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. But I, I still have optimism that there will be some sort of college football season. And, you know, there are some minor conferences out there, too, that are holding on. I mean, the American Athletic Conference is still talking about having a football season. The Sun Belt Conference is still having a football season. So it's funny, if you, if you want a little bit of a chuckle, or at least it gave me one, go to ESPN online, ESPN.com, and look up the college football schedule that's out there right now. Because they list all the games. They list the ones that are canceled and postponed. But they also list the ones that are playing. So remember, the big kickoff to the season at one point was going to be Ohio State and Illinois on September 3rd. Well, obviously, that got banged because of the Big Ten's actions yesterday. So you look at the games now on September 3rd, and you've got... uh, Appalachian State and Cincinnati. That captures the imagination, doesn't it? Um, or how about Southeast Louisiana and Tulane? Isn't that where the water boy plays? Uh, he played down that way, yes. Um, New Mexico State and UAB are scheduled to play. And you say, okay, well, Chuck, those are Thursday night games. What about the first Saturday of the season? Certainly there's something on the first Saturday of the season that's going to – and. Uh, well, South Florida and Texas could be playing. Uh, you could have, uh, let's see, you could have Middle Tennessee and Army. That would be the first Saturday of the season. You say, okay, well, uh, also in that first weekend, you got BYU and Navy. They're playing on Labor Day night. That's an ESPN game. Now, remember, a lot of this got pushed back, too. So we go to, to week two. Okay, what what are we looking at now in week two of the season? 
And that uh, first Saturday, uh, September 12th, that's when the ACC is supposed to start. So you'd have games like Georgia Tech and Florida State, Clemson and Wake Forest, Notre Dame and Duke. We'll see. We'll see what all happens with this. But it's a lot different looking college football landscape when you take those two conferences, two conferences long associated with the Rose Bowl, out of the picture. You ready to segue into high school football? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I went to three different schools yesterday. Wow! In my tour of high school football to try to preview the season. Okay. And first stop was at Warsaw. Now remember, Warsaw is in Kosciuszko County. They have had no restrictions put on them, other than the CDC restrictions. If I heard Bart Curtis say it once during practice yesterday, I heard it a dozen times. Get your mask up. Get your mask up. Unless you are responding to a coach or drinking a water bottle, get your mask up. And he told me afterwards, I asked him, what's it like to coach during a pandemic? And he kind of gave an answer. And then about five questions later, you could see the spark go off in his mind. He goes, you want to know what's different about coaching a pandemic? He goes, having a gripe to adults and to kids about wearing a mask. He goes, that's what's different about coaching a pandemic. But otherwise, Warsaw was able to go about their business. Full shoulder pads, contact, you can bring a guy to the ground, tackling the whole nine yards. They would do that for 12 minutes. Then they would separate, go get your water, take a break, three minutes off because the CDC recommends that you not be together for more than 15 minutes. So they're following the guidelines of the CDC. And going through all the protocols, I I was there at the end of practice when he was instructing the team. There are three places that you can, they were doing a two a day yesterday. So they're keeping the kids in between for lunch and things like that. He goes, you're going to go shower in, you know, pods basically of players. You can be in the bleachers, but you have to spread out. You can go in a classroom to watch film, but you have to be accompanied by an adult when you go in there. You can't go wander the halls of the school. So three places that they could be. And if you go in for the, your shower time is exactly 15 minutes to get changed, showered, redressed out 15 minutes for whatever pod was going in. So, I mean, precautions being taken. Militant. Very militant. Then I went to Concord yesterday and Concord is in Elkhart County, so they are working within the social distancing guidelines put there, which means that you can hold a football practice, but people have to be six feet apart. So for Craig Kaler and his squad, that seemed like a good day to work on zone pass defense because in the zone pass defense, you're going to be six feet apart. Well, what about the linemen? What are they working on? They would line them up to go through their drills. They had barrels separating them six feet, and the coaches would say, only do the first two steps or three steps of your blocking technique so that you don't get within six feet of each other. My goodness. Wow. Wow. The Elkhart schools are going to be at a tremendous disadvantage when the season starts on August 28th when they're playing teams outside of Elkhart County. Um, Who have been able to work on that stuff. Exactly. 
So that's what was going on at Concord. And then I drove over to Ricefield and Elkhart, where I was scanned before I could enter the practice facility. So when you say scanned, uh, temperature? Temperature scan. Okay. Mask on. There's 140 kids in the Elkhart football program. Now, fortunately, they've got some land over there. So they had them scattered in these smaller groups Mm -hmm. working on different individual drills. And they were going through uh, what I would call the shell passing game. In other words, you're not working against the defense. It's just your offense. Your receivers are spread out. But with the guidelines that they have, you cannot even do a play-action pass. You can't fake a handoff to a running back because that's considered a mesh point. You're within six feet of each other. So you can't even work on that right now. And that's why when I talked to Josh Shattuck after the practice, well, he wasn't really in the mood to talk football. How can we keep the kids focused and motivated on the things that we can control? Um, Because there is just, if we've learned anything, there are so many things that just don't really make sense to anybody or if they make sense to this group they make no sense to this group and it's just the world we live in right now and so I think it's a great lesson that you just got to control what you can control make the most out of it Um, if we didn't learn anything in the 72 hour fiasco that was Wednesday through Friday last week where it was football 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 sports 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 no school no sports a little bit of sports but a little bit you know it's like with no explanation so that that right there is a lesson for us all to say hey you know, we have got to be on our toes. It's kind of like a football game. The momentum changes and things shift, and you just got to be ready to go and adjust on the fly. Honestly, our kids need to play. Um, this is such a huge part of their social network. It is such a huge part of their development as people, um, and it's very easy for people who don't live in our community to, to say, oh, that's just a coach who wants to play because he wants to coach football and a bunch of jocks who want to run around and catch footballs and score touchdowns. And it's, that's a very narrow-minded view. This this thing is taking its toll on our our kids mentally. Um, and so just to be able to be here and to see the smile on their faces and to see their mental health and their well-being while they're here, uh, on top of the fact that this is the safest thing they do all day. It's the only place they have to wear masks. It's the only place they get checked in. It's the only place people are taking their temperatures. Um, and so um, we just need to play. And it, that's just for our kids. Competitively, all that will take care of itself. When, when, If and when we're playing games, we'll want to win. Our opponents will want to win. Someone will win. Someone will lose. This is so much broader than that, in my opinion. We just need to get out there, have a season, see our kids every day, teach them some skills, teach them life skills, have them enjoy each other's company, and then get a little bit of competition while we're at it. That's the frustration of a football coach that has to work under these conditions. And yet, he's worried about his kids. He's worried about his kids many of whom live in government housing over in Elkhart, many of whom that it's much safer for them to come to football practice mm. than it is to be at home. And and this is, you know, you've heard all the arguments from other people. You've heard them from your friends as to why kids need to be in school, why kids need to, you know, be able to, have their mental health attended to. But really, this was the first time that any of the coaches that I've talked to have just vented. Kind of put it out there. And put it out there. Hey, and follow-up question. Mm-hmm. 
Are these practices under the watchful eye of the health department? Is there an official out there? Anyone kind of checking in? Not at all. Okay. Not so far, which is interesting and yet not because, remember, football's not the only team practicing either Mm -hmm. and not the only team that all of these guidelines are being put down for. It's difficult for volleyball. It's difficult for soccer. Cross country, yes, you can spread out a little bit, but at some point you're going to be within six feet of somebody. But no, I mean, and look, I'm not a health department official, but let's face it, when most people hear about the health department outside of a pandemic, it's from what? It's from they went to a restaurant and they did an inspection and it wasn't clean enough or there was a rat or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Bug zapper needs to be cleaned. Exactly. You know, that's usually when we hear about the health department in most years. So they're not staffed to have somebody at all these practices. There's a, there's no possible way they could pull that off. But the here's the thing that Shattuck made very clear, I thought, maybe not in the answer you just heard, but certainly in our conversation afterwards. If you want to cancel the season, fine. Show us the data that you're basing this on. Show us what you're basing your decision on so that we understand, too. He says, I'm not trying to argue medicine with a medical professional. I'm not qualified to do that. But I kind of would like to know how on Wednesday, everything was okay. On Thursday, we were postponing until September 28th with all virtual learning. And then on Friday, oh, it's okay to go to school and you're missing one week of the season. It all seems so, and these are my words, not Josh. It all seems so capricious and arbitrary right now. I watched an episode of West Wing just like that. They sent the press secretary into the room and he had no information. So he had to keep dodging, you know. Coach Shattuck has to answer to parents and players. I don't know. And he'd rather not go, I don't know. Right, but I don't he, know. he's not left with any other yeah. answer to convey. And it somewhat circles back to the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and all of college football. It's the same thing. There has to be some communication of information here. And unfortunately, we've had so much information thrown at us during the pandemic that it's tough for people to sift through, too. So, but it's interesting to just go to two different counties. And and Josh mentioned, and he, he says, look, I'm not whining. I've got a talented team. We'll go play football on August 28th, and we'll do the best we can. They play Mishawaka on August 28th. And Keith Kinder, the Mishawaka coach, called him and said, do you still want to play this game? Because Keith understands his team's working full bore over here. And Josh's team is, it's like it's practicing with hands tied together. But that's that's where we lay right now in the world of high school football. One good note from high school football yesterday. Marion County was approved, given the green light by its health department, with uh, 250 fans in the stands. That's all they can have is 250. But given the green light, Interesting enough, the same day that news comes out, Warren Central, power in Indiana, uh, had to cancel its opening game with Center Grove, another power in Indiana, 
because Warren Central has too many kids in the quarantine. So Warren Central has too many kids in quarantine to go play. They canceled their own game, gets the green light from their health department. Elkhart has no situations like that. Currently, no players that have shown testing positive for COVID, and yet its health department says, no, you can't play in week one. They're making it up as they go. It's a maddening inconsistency. Making it up as they go, Chuck. It, it, I told Josh this last night. We were texting back and forth afterwards. I said, it's like having the rules set by a four-year-old that's deciding to figure out their outfit for the day. <laughs> well put. So that's the situation in football right now. Let's talk a little bit of hockey. The Blackhawks opened last night against Vegas, the Golden Knights, who are the number one seed in the West, and they looked like the number one seed in the West. They beat the Blackhawks 4-1. to one. It was a 2-1 hockey game going to the third period. Hawks were hanging in there. Vegas is just a deep, talented team. It seems like every line they put out there is a solid line. The Blackhawks, of course, you know, they've got Taze and Kane and Kubelik on that one line, and that's a really good line. But you get down to the third or fourth line for the Blackhawks, and there's not a whole lot of point production from those lines. Not the case for Vegas. And Vegas kept the puck down at the Hawks' end most of the night. In fact, the only goal the Hawks got was a shorthanded goal set up by a beautiful pass from Brandon Saad. But other than that, Hawks didn't look very good last night, and they're going to have their hands full with this Vegas team, as you would think they would. I mean, the Hawks barely got in under the revised NHL playoff system, and Vegas is the number one seed. It shouldn't be much of a matchup. It didn't look like one last night. My buddy Scott runs a uh, radio station in downtown Vegas, Chuck, and he said since that team has come to town, when it's game time, it's night's apparel everywhere. This town is in with that team. Well, it's the only major league team they have. Now, the Raiders are coming for football season, Mm -hmm. but given the parameters of football season right now, Vegas has been very good since coming to that city. And the Golden Knights, yeah, they're, they're the big deal out there right now. The other big story from hockey last night, Columbus and Tampa Bay went five overtimes last night. Folks, that's two and a half hockey games that they played last night. I forget who the goalie was for Columbus last night, but he made 80 saves, 80, and lost 3-2. So, and and I tell you what, these hockey teams, they've got some pretty smart people in social media. There were there were some good lines last night put out on the old hockey Twitter feed. Columbus had a line, this game is longer than a CVS receipt. <laughs> that hit close to home. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and then Carolina, so Carolina and Boston were supposed to play the second game. The Columbus-Tampa Bay game started at 3 in the afternoon, and it got over right around 9 o'clock. And Carolina and Boston were supposed to play last night. Their game got pushed to 11 a.m. today. And Carolina on its Twitter feed says, our game has been moved to 8-12 at 11 a.m. because Columbus and Tampa Bay were hogging the ice. (laughs) 
So, so some cleverness there. NBA, the, the Pacers play this afternoon against Houston. They're still battling for the number four spot, although let's face it, because there's not going to be a home court advantage this year in the playoffs, it really doesn't mean anything if you're the number four or the number five seed. You're still kind of in the same slot. The real battle is going on for the eighth seed in the West. When Portland started its game last night, they were one of three teams tied with 33 wins in the NBA Western Conference for that eighth slot. So they really needed a win. They were playing Dallas last night. Chris Stapps Porzingis had a big game for Dallas with 35 points last night, but that was nothing compared to the show that Damian Lillard put on last night as the Portland Trail Blazers guard scored 61. 61 last night. The game winner was a 33-footer that caromed high off the back rim and dropped through the net. And Portland wins at 134-131, so they have a half-game lead for the final slot in the NBA's Western Conference as uh, we get closer and closer to playoff time in the NBA. Baseball last night, both Chicago teams looked very, very good. They both had very similar performances from players. Jason Hayward for the Cubs, Aloy Jimenez for the White Sox, each homered and drove in four. Cubs beat Cleveland 7-1. John Lester continues to look very sharp on the mound here in 2020. Maybe a few extra days off helped him out. Cubs win 7-1 at Cleveland. They'll wrap up that series tonight. Meanwhile, the White Sox in Detroit win by a count of 8-4. Jimenez a three-run homer in the first inning to help set the tone. And the White Sox still battling with the Tigers in Cleveland for position in the middle of the AL Central, Minnesota dominating that division. If you wake up and you look at the standings today in the National League Central, okay. Cubs have a four and a half game lead on St. Louis. The Cubs are eleven and three. St. Louis is two and three. And by the way, the Cardinals won't play again until at the earliest Friday. They were supposed to play the Tigers in a doubleheader on Thursday. That's already been banged. <laughs> If Chuck were the gas tank on a car, he'd read E. I've drained myself with this. <laughs> You're on Twitter, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am at 46 Sports. It's a fairly active account. I would agree with that. Uh, you can follow Sports Yak as well with 1K. 1K. I thought that was the case. Mm-hmm. 2K yeah. is if it comes to email, but no one emails this show anymore. Well, don't tempt the people. (laughs) Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. More than likely, we talk again on Friday for episode 228. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Marla Gibbs and Jay Cutler. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. The Sports Yak Podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit the archives for previous coach and athlete interviews. Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.